Bugs, 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 bugs. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby. I'm Lindsay. <laughs> and I'm Kayla. And today, I am going to be talking about the book Tell the Wolves I'm Home by Carol Brunt. And I am going to be doing the book Tell Me Three Things by Ooh. Julie Buxbaum. How how do we keep doing this, Lindsay? It's like we unconsciously, well, and this is why we're friends, is because we kind of get each other on this other level. So yeah, we really do. It's just this, yeah. this beautiful subconscious friendship that we yeah. somehow figure out, and it, it works perfectly. Wow. That didn't hit me until just now. <laughs> it, it didn't hit me either. I know. And you had mentioned yours, and I had mentioned mine, and yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, so how are you doing? How is quarantine life treating you? Uh, quarantine's been okay. I fasted three days this week, and so I was extraordinarily exhausted for yeah. uh, all of Wednesday. But so the last two days, I've been eating so that I can get my energy back up. So that's been really nice. And yeah, and I just learned the magic of the pickup areas at Walmart and Target. How I could order online and have them deliver the stuff to my car. It is magic. I actually did that yesterday because I bought my second bookshelf, or I guess technically fourth bookshelf, but <laughs> second one of the same one that I already had. And I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go in. Plus I was just, I mean, I would have gone in, but I was just kind of being lazy too. And I was like, oh, I'll just do it. And the lady fully lifted this bookshelf into the car. So I was like, oh, it's not that, it must not be that heavy. But then I get home and I come to unload it and I'm like, I pull it out of the car and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> You're it's like, so heavy. <laughs> well, and I was very determined not to ask him to help me with this one because I kind of felt a little guilty buying another bookshelf. I didn't need it, but it's like a nice to have. And yeah. so I was like, I'm going to bring it in myself. I'm going to build it myself. And I'm so proud of myself. I built this thing. It took way longer than it had to because I put the wrong size dowels in the wrong place. No. So there was short ones and long ones. Yeah. So I was doing it. And then I put the short ones in when the long ones were supposed to go. And I'm putting it in. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And I, I had already screwed the sides in. And so I had to take it all apart. And so I actually, I chipped a little bit of a side because I was like kind of aggressively, I was kind of mad at it. I was like, get, get yeah. away from me. I'm done with you. <laughs> so I kind of chipped. But once my books are on it, it does not look that bad. So I'm very proud of myself for- Girl, I'm for proud of you. Be just be grateful it wasn't from Ikea. Cause like- That's true. Right? Like I have, it's funny. I have a few things from Ikea. Like I have my bookshelf that's from Ikea and my TV stand that's from Ikea. And those two things are actually put together very well. I, I followed all the directions, but I have a dresser that's not from Ikea. I bought it on Amazon and okay. you can tell I did it wrong. It's because there's one specific shelf and it's the very top one right in front and yeah. it is facing the wrong direction. So you see exposed wood because it was supposed to be no. facing the wall. Yeah. Yes. And so I was very mad at myself. I finished. I'm like, this doesn't look right. <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to be. I spent all night, like I stayed up until 
it was like 11.30, which I never do. That's unheard of for you. It really is. <laughs> I go to bed at like eight. And I had, well, I had still had all my books and bags from the move. And yeah. so I got them out and I was like, okay, well, I want to alphabetize by author's last name. And it makes me so happy to do it. So I started with just stacking in terms of the letter, not in order, but like these are all the S's, these are all the M's, etc. Um, and I left it to go to bed. And this morning I woke up and I was so excited to finish it and, and actually get it on the shelf in alphabetical orders. I am literally, I can't stop staring at it. It's so perfect. It's, so, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, it's just I'm so, so excited. Well, I am so excited to hear about this book, honestly, because I saw it recently and I was like on the verge of buying it. Like it was in my really? Amazon cart. Yes. And so well, I'm just so excited. Yeah, it's so funny. So this book came out in 2012. I actually have owned it since then. I got a gift card when we worked at Starbucks and we did like a Christmas thing. It was Secret Santa, but you wrote down things that you like. So I wrote down that I like Barnes & Noble. And so I was given like a $20 Barnes & Noble gift card and I was pumped about it. I was just browsing Barnes & Noble and it was actually, of course, the cover, judging the book by its cover, but the cover is gorgeous. (laughs) And I read the back and I was like, okay, I'll get this. I'll grab this. I had bought it with that gift card and I never read it until a couple weeks ago, this Instagram that I follow is called Golden Genre. She has two golden retrievers and she posts pictures of her books with the golden retrievers. I love it. It's great. And she started reading this book. She started raving about it. She's like, I cannot believe that I have not picked it up in so long. I was really excited. I was like, oh my God, I have that book too. And I haven't touched it either. Let me read it now. So I'll just get into it. It is set in 1987. And the main character and narrator is 14-year-old June, which I love the name June. And she is obsessed with her uncle Finn. He is her godfather and he is a like world-renowned painter, this artist. And he's very, I mean, just imagine, you know, the the 80s having kind of a hipster. Well, at the time, I guess they were, were they just hippies or whatever? But like a painter, an artist as your uncle, who is also your godfather. I like to think that that's how my nieces and nephews see me or how they will see yeah. me one day. Yeah, she's so cool. <laughs> exactly. That's what I want. That's what I'm working yeah. for. So June is very shy, very kind of in her own world. She's very obsessed with like the Renaissance period. And so she is interested in like falconing and she wears these like, they're not like combat boots, but they they bought them at like a Renaissance fair and she, she wears them around and she goes into the woods and pretends that she's living during this time and that she's alone and, and whatnot. So unfortunately her uncle Finn has AIDS he is gay and he has AIDS and they know that he's going to die. And so he starts painting a portrait of her and her sister and her sister. They were like best friends growing up, but then now they're older. She's in high, they're in high school. It's just not a good situation anymore. Okay. And so he starts painting this portrait of them. And of course, you know, it's, it's the eighties. Not a lot, not a lot is known about AIDS. And so everyone's just kind of scared. You, they do understand how you get it, but like, her sister will make a joke like, oh, if he if he kisses your forehead, you can get AIDS or whatever. And so June starts getting a little scared, but she loves her uncle so much. Like she's obsessed. And as you're reading it and she's narrating it, you're a little worried because it seems maybe a little incestual because she 
loves him. She truly yeah. loves her uncle. And it she's 14 and obviously he is a lot older, but he's also gay. So it, for the reader, you're like nothing is going to happen obviously because he's gay too. So like that's that's kind of that barrier as well. But Finn dies. And at the funeral, there is a man who June sees and everyone's kind of like, oh, we're not supposed to talk to him. Um, his name is Toby and he was Finn's boyfriend. June knew nothing about him. She literally had not even heard his name until Finn had died <laughs> and they started talking about Toby and basically saying that Toby was a murderer. Toby was the one who did this to Finn, essentially because he is gay and was the one who gave it to Finn or whatever. But Toby is obviously feeling alone at this point and is seeking friendship. And as he was dying, Finn told Toby to look out for June for him. And so, which is oh, just so sweet. Yeah. And so Toby starts leaving these notes for June in kind of secretive ways so that her parents don't know that she's talking to him. So he brings her an old teapot that was Finn's and he pretends to be the mailman. So she like kind of recognizes him, but he pretends to be the mailman and, you know, but it wasn't, there wasn't a postage stamp on it and just things like that. And yeah. finally he, he invites her to meet up with him and um, she's a little apprehensive, but they get together on the train and go on a train ride. And then she hops off and she feels safe. But essentially she kind of, she starts connecting with Toby and realizing that Toby kind of knew Finn so much more than she did. And so she's a little bit jealous at that point. And Toby is also very clearly sick with AIDS as well. And he's very quickly degrading kind of before June's eyes. And so he keeps going because he wants to connect with June and be that person for her since Finn had died and kind of left June in Toby's care. So it kind of all comes to a head when everyone in June's high school is having this party out in the woods, which June considers her woods because she walks around and kind of pretends she's in the very olden days. She doesn't really have a lot of friends her own age. She has like one or two, but like they're not on that level of, of even talking to each other regularly. And so, yeah, so she goes to this party mainly because her sister was at this party and her sister got drunk. And June knows that her sister needs to be saved. And so she calls Toby and says, can you go find my sister in the woods and save her? I can't remember. Something happens where her sister Greta is in the woods and June is at home and knows that Greta will die or something is going to happen. She's going to die from cold or whatever. And so she calls Toby and says, can you go find Greta for me? Gives him the instructions on basically where to find her exactly and, and things like that. Basically hours are passed and Greta comes home with police officers and they realize that Toby is in the back of the police car. The police picked him up because he was carrying Greta out of the woods. And at first Greta had screamed when she saw him because she didn't know who he was. Yeah. And he was basically like, June sent me to save you. And the police picked them up because they had heard her scream. Sure. And so then they assume that Toby, June's mom recognizes Toby and is like, okay, well, you know, he, I don't want him in my house. I don't like keep basically telling the police, keep him. And so June is, you know, hatching this thing like in her head where she's, she's thinking, 
Toby is in this prison, blah, blah, blah. And so she calls the prison or she goes there and they say, oh, we, we took him to New York. He was sick. And obviously because he has AIDS, the police didn't want him in the, in the precinct or whatever. And so they sent him to a hospital in, in New York. And so June goes to find him in this hospital. She, she steals her parents' car with Greta, her sister, and they drive to New York. They live in like the suburbs, basically go find Toby. And this is like in the middle of the night at like three o'clock in the morning. And they realize that Toby, he's so, he's basically on the last day of his life. Like that's how bad he is, that the hospital is just trying to make him comfortable. And June says, I don't want Toby to die here alone. And so she brings him back to her house, to her parents' house, sets him up on the couch and basically sits with him while he dies. And her mom ends up coming down and she's like, I don't, why is he here? Like he killed Finn. And and June is like, I want him here and I want him to be comfortable while he dies. And and then he eventually passes away um, in the morning. It's so heartbreaking. I mean, it really tore my heart out because it was also it was the sadness of the fact that Finn was so close to June and June was so close to Finn and she knew nothing about Toby and Toby had been dating Finn for almost all of June's life and yeah. living in the house that June would come visit every single Sunday they'd go to visit Finn and she never knew that Toby had lived there also cuz Toby would go do his own thing it's obviously very believable in my mind that a gay man who is clearly not accepted for being gay would hide his partner from his family. And I think that as June was not letting go of Finn, but kind of realizing what life was like without Finn, she found this friend in Toby only to lose him as well. So her heart was just so broken, but she was able to do with Toby what she couldn't do with Finn, which was sit with him while he died. You know, she didn't, she didn't know how Finn died. She just, you know, they got the call that he died and, and she was so heartbroken in terms of the title of the book doesn't really match with the story at all, but the painting that Finn had made of June and her sister Greta, he titled tell the wolves I'm home. And in the painting a wolf somewhere in the painting in like the shadows or whatever. And essentially I think that the wolf symbolized that June kind of thought of herself as a lone wolf and Mm. Toby thought of himself as a lone wolf after Finn had died. But wolves aren't meant to be alone. They're meant to be part of a pact. And so Finn brought the two lone wolves together so that they mourn his death together and have someone that connected them with each other. There's also this very sad part where Toby mentions that Finn was the only man he had ever been with. That alludes to the fact that it was actually Finn who had contracted AIDS and had given it to Toby and not the other way around as Finn's family had thought. I don't know if June really connects that. And I actually read that page a couple times to see if I read it right. But essentially, it was alluding to the fact that for Toby, Finn was the only one for him. And Finn had been out longer than Toby and had other boyfriends and Toby hadn't. And so everyone in Finn's family thought that Toby had given it to him when in fact it was the other way around. And so I found that really, really, really heartbreaking because Toby was kind of outcasted from Finn's family and wasn't able to be a part of Finn's family because they believed that he was the reason. And I mean, they were essentially calling him a murderer, that that he was 
the reason that Finn had died when really it was the other way around. So seriously, one of the most heartbreaking books I've ever read, but it was so beautifully written. And and to read it from the perspective of a 14-year-old, because I was also kind of like June, a little bit awkward, definitely shy, not really about <laughs> going out to the parties or, you know, whatever yeah. when I was 14. Obviously, things were different in the 80s than they were in the 2010s. But I think that seeing this story from a 14-year-old's perspective, and especially one who was just so obsessed with her uncle. And I think that, you know, people, it sounds kind of worrisome, obviously, and it's not at all, because I think that a relative can be your first love. And a love does not have to be sexual in any way. You can connect with someone who understands you and knows you and knows your inner thoughts and knows who you are. And that's who Finn and June were. They were kindred spirits. They were basically exactly who each other needed. And that's why Finn was her godfather. And it's so beautiful because I think that love doesn't have to be romantic. It can be platonic and it can be very much a family member that you truly love with your whole heart and you can be in love with but not romantically and I just I thought that that was so beautiful because when you're young you don't really think about like oh this is wrong that I love this person so much because you're young you don't get that it's a gross thing or or that it's romantic you just love the person for who they are and there's nothing sexual or romantic about it and you can truly truly love that person I mean it's one of the most beautiful books I've ever read so well I yeah I had actually a couple things to to add to that obviously I've never read the book I think it's also interesting because you had said that she and her sister had actually grown apart over the years and all this stuff so she didn't even have her sister but Finn's last request to Toby was to keep an eye out for June and and to be there for June. And it's so it's funny because it's kind of like he passed the torch onto Toby. Toby was there with her, supported her. And then in a way, Toby did take care of June because he got her and her sister to rekindle their relationship as well so that he could pass the torch on to her sister so that the two of them could support one another. And so I think that that's actually very beautiful as well. You hit the nail on the head with that because that's essentially what happened is that they reconnected because Greta helped June kind of save Toby from the police and the hospital and bring him back home. You know, she's the one who who drove them and it was so perfect. The culmination of all the relationships and how they kind of, you know, rocky start and then ended well and then, you know, whatever, it really came full circle. Beautiful. I love that. And then also when you were talking about how you can love family member, I remember when my niece, I think when she was turning one or something like that, I posted on Instagram, I said, the first true love of my life. And it absolutely is. So it's like, it is uh, really like you really can't have those relationships because when Samaya, yeah, when Samaya was turning one, she's my first niece. This is the first true love I've ever had. Like, of course, I have my family who I love. This goes for all my nieces and nephews. I would throw myself in front of a moving car for those kids because you feel like you're one with certain people. And and I love my nieces and nephews and, and would do absolutely anything for them. So I think that that's a 
very interesting because it's like, yeah, it's like my brothers and sisters, like, I'm like, I love them so much. I would do anything for them, but they can do anything for themselves too, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, we'd do anything for each other, but like, there's a special love for, for a child. So I get where Finn was in that whole situation. And last but not least, when you were talking about the title, I kept thinking to myself, I wonder why they call it this. And then you ended up talking about the title, but uh, my first thought also in terms of the title, I was like, I wonder if it has anything to do with like, because she loved the woods and she loved like the, that Renaissance time period and stuff like that. To me, it it was also interesting because tell the wolves I'm home. It's like, she's kind of facing her inner demons. She's facing a lot of things with this because when Finn was dying, she couldn't quite understand him fully because she didn't know about Toby. In in the end, she faced her inner demon. In essence, to June, Toby was an extension of Finn. Through Toby, June got to learn so much about Finn that she hadn't known. And it, I know I keep saying that, but it was just so beautiful. In June's world, she was rebelling against what her parents thought of her uncle and the way and his lifestyle and the way that he lived and essentially brought Toby home as he's dying from AIDS and saying, no, we're going to sit here with him while he dies and mm-hmm. you're going to be okay with it. And her mom saw that and became a little bit more accepting of, of the situation. So Seriously, the most beautiful book I've ever read. Definitely pick it up. I mean, I didn't even touch on so much of the detail of like the things that she ended up doing with Toby as they got to know each other. And the relationship was just so beautiful. And I just really loved it. So I love that. Absolutely going to give that a shot. That sounds so sweet. Okay, so my book is called Tell Me Three Things by Julie Buxbaum. I think that's how you pronounce the name. This story is really nice. It's about basically someone dealing with the death of her mom. Her name is Jessie. She's dealing with the death of her mother. Her mom died very recently, and she and her dad pick up and move to L.A. from somewhere that's very, very different. Um, And her dad actually just recently remarried. So it's like her mom died and then immediately remarries fairly quickly. She doesn't know this woman at all. So it's basically like she's just moved into this house with a bunch of strangers. Her her new stepmom does have a son and the son is pretty big douchebag not gonna lie. And so anyways, uh, Jessie attends her first day of school meets a lot of people you know, kind of embarrasses herself a little bit. She's not really feeling the school already. She's not really feeling the life that she's going to be having there. And then one day she receives an email from somebody called Somebody Nobody, SN for short. SN tells her, hey, I've seen you around. I want to be basically your, your guide for getting through this school year. And she's like, you know, I feel like this is probably one of the mean girls trying to play a prank on me or something like that. So in order to show her this is not a prank. SN tells her to become friends with this girl named Adriana, or Dre is her nickname. And they said, you know, she's very nice. We'll be friends with pretty much anyone. So she ends up becoming friends with Dre and they become very close. She also ends up becoming friends with a girl named Agnes through Dre. It's like Dre's other friend. <laughs> I love that her name is Agnes, by the way. I'm like, it's like such a an older lady name, but it is such a cute name. And I'm like, I'm so glad someone young has it. It's just yeah. so sweet. So Jessie, she's still unsure if she can trust SN, but basically SN every day 
ends up talking to her a little bit more. And I think she starts to realize like they've become a part of her day to day. And so she is like, all right, who are you? And SN won't tell her. But they start this this thing, tell me three things. And so basically every day they tell each other three new things about them. So Jessie, through these three things, she's always trying to figure out who this person is, you know, maybe by some miracle. She ends up getting a job at a bookstore, our dream job, obviously. And the woman who works there has a son named Liam, who's like kind of a popular guy at school dating one of the mean girls. Liam has a friend named Caleb, who's like tall and handsome. And I kind of see him. What was Hannah Montana's boyfriend who has like the swoopy hair? Lucas Till? Not him. He's like brunette. And I think he cheats on her later on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who Jake, I'm talking about. Jake something, right? Jake Hannah something. Montana. Hold on, let me see. Okay, his name is Cody Martin. Cody Martin! Yes, him. I get vibes, his Cody Martin vibes from this, this guy. Okay. Cody Martin. Yeah. He's not brunette, he's blonde. He's blonde, but at one point he had brunette hair. I want, yes, that one. Oh, wait, there's also Jesse. Jesse? I think Jesse dated Miley and not Hannah. Ah, uh, shit. Jesse's more of the bad boy. Only reason I know this is because I watched a clip of it on Instagram. And I was like, oh. Wait, oh. Yeah. It says Jake cheated on Miley and ruined their relationship once and for all. That's him. That's it. Jake, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So then, yeah, that's Cody Lindley. Okay, so Cody Lindley, yes. Okay, so he gives me Cody Lindley vibes. Thank you okay. so much for that. Yes, Cody Lindley, but possibly like some brown hair instead. Liam kind of gives me maybe more like Lucas Till vibes. Okay. I would say more Lucas Till. I'm going off of Hannah Montana right now, like strictly, <laughs> but I don't mean to. And then uh, there's another guy named Ethan. He's in her class. She calls him Batman because he always wears the same Batman shirt. But she says, like, he's still cute. But it's just weird because he, like, wears the same shirt every day. And she's like, I just want to ask him why he's wearing the same shirt every single day. And he kind of has, like, this dark side to him. I don't know. I still haven't quite figured out who, uh, what vibes he gives me. But kind of like guy who doesn't shower vibes. Like, (laughs) in my head, he gives those vibes, even though I'm sure he does shower. Anyways, so... I can't think of a a Hannah Montana character who that would be. Maybe Jesse. Maybe he's more Jesse. It's like Jake is uh, Caleb, and then Lucas Till is Liam, and then Jesse is more Ethan. Ethan, yes. So okay. maybe that. That that sounds about right. Okay. Now Hannah that Montana we've got people. our characters down, and they're <laughs> all characters Hannah down. Montana related. <laughs> they're all Hannah Montana related. I don't even know who the hell Jesse is, but I saw a picture of him. I'm like, yeah, that's Ethan. Anywho. So yeah, so she meets a few different guys, obviously. Like, she meets them, but kind of in passing, like I said, Liam works at the bookstore. Caleb, I think she meets him at school randomly. And she kind of starts flirting with Caleb. And I think she kind of gets the vibe like maybe he's SN. So she actually asks Caleb out for a date when they're about to go out. She's like really excited because she's like, you know, I've been getting along so well with SN. Like, I can't wait to see him in person and like actually have a date where we're talking about these deep things that we've been talking about recently. And then like last minute, he just breaks the date off and she's pretty pissed because she's like, why did you do that? And he's like, you know, Liam's my friend and I don't really want to get in the way of this. And so she, that's when she kind of finds out, like, oh, Liam kind of has a crush on me. She didn't know that before, that uh, Liam every day has been coming to that bookstore and uh, secretly harboring some sort of a crush on her. 
which is kind of bad because her friend Dre has a huge crush on Liam. So it's kind of this weird love triangle. Oddly enough, the author didn't really play into that. She was just like, it's cool, whatever. Like, Dre's like, oh, I'm jealous, but it's fine. And then she goes to a party at one point. She goes to a party where uh, Liam and his band are playing. And I want to say Ethan is in the band as well. So it's like Liam and Ethan are in the band. She sees Caleb walking around. She's hoping that SN is going to come up to her and is going to say something to her or whatever and reveal his or herself and nothing happens and then she does get a text message saying like hey you looked nice tonight or something like that and she's like why didn't you just come up to me and say something to me so at this point she feels a little bad and I think at that point she does tell them why are you doing this to me? Like, why do you continuously do this to me? And she's pretty upset about it. She's like, was I just not pretty enough? Is that why you don't come up to me? Do I not look how you wish I look? Do you like me virtually, but not in person? And they say, no, that's not it. Of course, that's not it. They continue to talk. She also has a, her stepbrother who is gay, very like douchey, but at some point he does kind of start to act more like a brother and he starts to kind of support her like a brother and like stick up for her when she needs to be stuck up for like against mean girls and stuff like that. So he's being like, you know, pretty cool. Again, you know, she's just moved to this place. There's this weird separation between her and her stepmom because she's she's dealing with her own grief and her dad has never really sat there and like talked to her about her mom's death so she kind of feels like you know she's had to deal with this by herself and she's never really given her stepmom or her stepbrother much of a chance but of course she gets more of a chance with her stepbrother because they go to school together but yeah so then one day she actually does walk into her new house and she sees her stepmom crying and they have a really sweet moment of wow she finally understands like her stepmom is actually going through stuff too because her stepmom and I think her dad met at a grief counseling meeting I believe they both lost someone she lost her husband and he lost his wife and you know that's how they kind of came together and so I think she realized that she and her stepmom are more alike than they are different which was a really beautiful moment as well but then continuing on you know she's kind of going through some things so what she ends up doing is she ends up going on a trip to her old hometown which I believe I want to say is Chicago and she goes there and she, and she meets up with one of her friends. She stays with one of her friends. You know, she's told her friend everything, tried to keep her updated on everything. But the second she gets there, her friend starts getting really mad at her and just doesn't want to talk to her, doesn't want to look at her, doesn't want to talk to her, like nothing. And she doesn't quite understand, like, why are you like this? And her friend basically said, like, when you left, you left me to deal with everything by myself. I had to go to school without you. I had to make new friends. I had to do all this stuff. And it's like, you don't even care. You don't ask me how I'm doing. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, because you're surround. I, okay, I was very angry at that part. Because I was like, that's a very selfish thing to think to say. Because she did ask her several times, how, how are things going? Her friend ended up wanting to go on a date with someone who actually had liked Jesse in the past. And Jesse was like, no, go for it. Go for it. Okay, you like him? Cool. Great. I thought she'd been a very supportive friend. And then her friend just came back at her saying, you, you know, it's like you didn't care about me. And I was like, is he a selfish little prick? Like, come on, just stop. So I was pretty annoyed with that one. But in the end, they do end up, everything kind of comes to a, a full circle and, and they're friends again. And then when she comes back, she once and for all is like, 
we need to meet to SN because she's really getting strong feelings for SN. And at one point she really thought it might've been her friend, Adriana. She thought that it could have been Liam. She thought it could have been Caleb. I think at one point I even might've, I thought it might've been her dad. In the end, it's just this, who could it be? For me, it was fairly obvious who it was, but you know, you're not sure. You're not a hundred percent. So basically she tells this person, all right, you're going to meet me at, I think it was an IHOP to be totally honest. Um, but she and this person really liked waffles. The cover of yes. the book with the waffles. Hence the cover with the waffles. Yeah. So they meet at like a waffle house basically. And so she shows up, she's really nervous. She's like, all right, they're going to come through the store any minute. So she, she positions herself so that she will see them when they walk in. And then Liam comes up and he's like, hey. And he like sits down with her or something. She's like, oh my God, it was Liam. I think there's this tiny bit of like disappointment. And she's like, oh, hi, how are you? Yeah, hey, what's up? And he's like, mind if I sit down? Yeah, sure, why not? So they sit down and then all of a sudden Caleb walks up and she's like, okay, which one is it? And then behind Caleb comes Ethan. And she's just like, I have no clue. Like, it is, it's one of those things. And then Liam, Liam is like, why don't you get out of here, man? Like, he's starting to get pretty pissy and and they're they're all kind of getting pissy at each other. And then Ethan gets on his phone and then she receives a ping and it says, it's me. And it's a message from SN. And she looks up at Ethan and she says, it's you. And he's like, it's me. The guy with the Batman. Yeah, it was, it was probably doesn't shower. I'm just joking. (laughs) So he had actually given her some hints. He had told her at one point, like, there's one thing I lied to you about. Like that was something he had told her when he was still SN when he wasn't Ethan yet. And he had told her like, yeah, my my sister died. And then later he said, there is one thing I've lied to you about. And then it's it comes to find out like she at some point does find out that Ethan has been acting weird ever since his brother passed away. That his brother used to be in a band. I think that they do hint at it being like a drug related um, death, like an overdose. So I guess she just didn't make that connection. Like, oh, maybe that's what he was lying to me about. Um, so it was his brother not his sister that died it turns out that after Ethan's brother died he felt so lost and so sad he went to a therapist and they were like maybe you try and help others maybe that's what you can do is you can try and help others I couldn't help my brother but maybe I can help someone else almost in in the same way where it's like she you know your June couldn't be with her uncle Finn so she had to be with with Obi when he died um so a similar thing so what happens is Ethan actually starts sending anonymous messages to people telling them like when someone was cheating on them or telling them you know like when something happened maybe maybe if they walked out of the bathroom with like toilet paper on their shoes and people were laughing at them that kind of thing gossip girl but not as harsh yeah like he was trying to be helpful and um and so that's why he messaged her that first day was because he wanted to help and he didn't want her to feel so alone but he continued to message her because he thought oh maybe she needs a friend maybe she needs a guide and then he keeps messaging her because he really likes her I have a question so if he does this with like everybody so does he have like a burner phone how does he get everybody's numbers so, like, if she was new in school and he starts texting her, like, what's – how did he get her number? Is it, like, a messaging app? What's – explain. He actually first starts emailing her. So, okay. I think he gets it off of an email distribution list through the school. Got it. I think okay, that makes first. sense. Okay. Yes. It's creepy if he starts texting someone 
And then how the hell? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely easier to like get a a burner email address, you know, one that doesn't have your name on it. But like to actually like go through the process of like getting a phone with a different number and texting and that whole thing, right? Odd. So absolutely, yeah. It's us. His his email address. It was a burner email address, and it's somebody nobody at gmail dot com. So can't use that one anymore. No one can use it. I repeat, it is Ethan's. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so, so that's essentially what it was, was that he was just sitting there trying to help her and then he falls for her and she falls for him. This book one is just a really fun light read. Like if you're just wanting like a really sweet, almost like a rom-com, you're going to get that with this one. It's kind of like the kissing booth, you know, a little bit like the kissing booth. If you watch that, I think it's also important in much the same way the kissing booth is important is that you know it does talk about that that loss and and it goes back to what i talked about before with with that concept of shared trauma she and sn you know slash ethan they got along so well because they both had a shared trauma they both lost someone just like she and her stepmom when they found out when she found out like oh actually my stepmom and i are more alike than i thought it's because they have a shared trauma. They're just trying to get through life together, you know, or like, or by themselves, but they don't realize that they can actually, you know, lean on other people because other people have gone through the same thing. It's a really nice story because of how she's dealing with her mom's death. Every single day, she thinks about her mom and you can feel it. Like you can feel that sadness coming through the pages. And I thought it was very special because the author herself, she had actually lost her mom when she was the same age as Jesse. And so I thought that that was actually very nice. It was kind of, it must have been cathartic for the author, I think, to, yeah. to be able to to be able to to have that that moment of saying goodbye to her mother, essentially, you know, it's just very sweet. She's able to pull her own personal feelings, her own personal experiences. I think that those are some of the best books because you're writing from your personal experience. It's great. And yeah, and, and I also there's a scene which I did not discuss, but her dad comes to visit her at the bookstore and they do have a conversation about her mom and about how her dad was like, you know, I was dealing with my grief in my own way. And I thought it best to just deal with it as far away from you as possible, because I didn't want it to affect you. And it it was kind of like, he didn't necessarily forget. Of course, he knew she was going to be dealing with her own pain. But it was more like, I figured you'd be fine kind of thing. But I, I think deep down, he knew she was probably suffering too. But it's like, because he was already suffering the loss of his wife, I think it was probably very hard for him to deal with. Not the loss of his daughter, but more like like the loss of the daughter that he knew slipping away. In a way, I think that SN or Ethan really was like this this catalyst for Jesse's healing because he he reminded her that even when she felt invisible, you know, he saw her. It was so nice because I think there's so many times where we go through our day to day and we think that we're just kind of in in almost like a groundhog day where it's like, I'm not seeing anyone new. I'm seeing all the same people, whatever. But like to know that someone sees you when you're so in your own head is just very nice. It makes you feel less alone. So I think that was one of the reasons I liked it. And I just, I just like that it's a story about a girl becoming stronger. We need strong women. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I really liked this book. So if you're just looking for like a rom-com-esque book and something that's just kind of sweet and has has a little bit of that, you know, that overcoming grief feel to it, uh, Tell Me Three Things is a really, really good one. Oh, 
That's yeah. great. Guys, thank you so much. Um, be sure to rate, subscribe so that we can we can make sure that that we get seen so that you guys can hear more of us. Yeah, we need we need listeners to listen to us blab on about books all day. <laughs> oh my god, honestly, like Lindsay, if it was just you listening to me blab about books all day, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah. I love well, I love blabbing about books. So that much. has been our life up until this point and now we just decided to broadcast it to everybody. So here we are. Why fix what's not broken? Exactly. Honest to God. Exactly. Like I'm yeah. I'm going to do it anyways. I we really what might as well record it. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, guys, we can't wait to hear from you. All right. Bye. Bye.